0: god we thank you that you're our defender god thank you so much for always standing guard over us for walking us walking with us everywhere that we go thank you god God, I pray right now that you would help us to seek your ways, God, that you would help us to search out the path that you have laid in front of us, God, and that we're not deviated from that path by our own desires, by what the world may deem as good or or what our friends may deem as good, God, but we rely on your spirit to guide us. We rely on your holy intuition to guide us through life and to make our path straight for you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, we worship you this morning. We thank you for your goodness, and we thank you for the awe that you strike on the inside of us. God, you are so good. God, you are so good. Just begin to tell him how good he is. God, you are so good. God, you are so good. God, you are so good. Thank you so much for everything that you are.
1: God, you are so good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God.
0: Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Give it up for our worship team. Y'all can go ahead and be seated. My eyes are sweaty. Give me just a second. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Thank you, James. Worship team, thank you guys so much. I love our worship team. Don't y'all? And um, I want to take a moment to brag on... Our worship team because they do such an amazing job of leading us into the presence of God and uh, it may be a little bit funny because I am on the worship team I think I'm part of a great team <laughs> but yeah amen but I'm super thankful to be a part of that team and I'm super thankful that uh, I get to be led by someone like Kirsty. oh angry baby good night <laughs> I'm thankful that we have a leader like Kirsty. she's incredible, so. All right, well, how's everybody doing this morning? All good, awesome, I'm glad to hear it, that makes me super happy that everyone's happy. I'm warm, I'm going to take this off, I'm sorry, give me just a second. Well, while I'm doing that, thank you, James, I appreciate you. Um, I would like to welcome our online audience. Thank you all so much for joining in this morning. Even though that you aren't here in person, we still consider you guys a part of our family. Thank you so much for inviting us into your homes or into your vehicles as you travel. Uh, Wherever you are, thank you for inviting us in. Also, I want to invite or welcome our uh, satellite church in California, Kingdom Ranch. Give them a round of applause. We're so thankful and we're so blessed that we get to come into your house this morning and that we get to uh, be a part of your family. And we're so glad that you're a part of our family here at N3C. Thank you so much for being here and thank you for partnering with us. We love y'all. Next order of business. Uh, I want to honor the pastors and the mother and father of this house, and my mother and father, uh, Pastor Darren and Lynette. They aren't here this morning, but they're tuning in online. Uh, they told me that they would be, so they better be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I want to bring honor to them because they are the whole reason that this is what it is. Um, from, they started in a hotel 20-some years ago uh, 21 coming up 22, I think. No, I don't know. It was 20 years ago, (laughs) about the same age as me somewhere around there, but they started in a hotel and built up to where we are now in our own building that we own. So, uh, they've built an amazing foundation and I just want to bring honor to them really quick. So if you would give it up for your pastors, (laughs) Mama, Daddy, I love you. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs> all right, so my name is Rhett Gleghorn. If I didn't get a chance to uh, meet you all or if you are new to this church, I am the son of Pastors Dan and Lynette Gleghorn. Um, I am so honored and so blessed to be in this position uh, that mom and dad would entrust me with uh, their their platform and their... Uh, their church that they've built. I am very, very honored to be here, and I appreciate every single one of you for joining us this morning, even though that y'all could be wherever wherever else, um, doing whatever you want to do, laying in bed, sleeping, getting breakfast, whatever. You guys chose to be here this morning, and thank you for that. I really appreciate all of you. So, why don't we just jump into the message today? Does that sound good? Awesome. So, As I mentioned before, I am on the worship team here at N3C, and I have been on the worship team for close to eight years. I am 21 years old. I joined whenever I was 14, and I love being on the worship team. Worship is something that is very uh, important to me. It's something that I find a very intimate experience, and I love the opportunity to be on the worship team. And whenever I first joined the worship team, like I said, it was a chance for me to have an intimate moment with God and to have that uh, that time with Him where it felt very personal. Another thing was that I got to be involved in the church. I got to be involved with what my parents had built, and that was something that was very important to me. That I got to be involved with that somehow. And another thing that I really enjoy about worship, selfishly, I love to play my guitar. <laughs> so, so that was just an opportunity for me to be like, hey, I can play my guitar and worship at the same time. That's cool with me. So that was the reason why I joined the worship team. Um, I found worship is something that was very uh, fulfilling to me. It was an intimate time with God, and it was a chance to be in this really special place with him. And what was really cool is that worship opened a lot of doors for me. I was able to, uh, instead of going to college, I was able to do an internship at a church in Texas. And I interned directly under their worship leader, Jack Lawson. The church is Dayton Christian Center. Uh, They're based out of Dayton, Texas, which is northeast of Houston by about an hour. Um, And just a quick plug, if you guys want more sermons or amazing words from people uh, that you want to listen to throughout your week... Dayton Christian Center is amazing. They are led by an an awesome pastor, David Hilton. Uh, So just a quick little commercial break, then we're back to our regularly scheduled program. (laughs) So I interned directly under Jack Lawson, their worship leader. And at the time that I left for Texas, I felt like there was something missing in worship for me. At the time I'd been doing worship for probably about four or five years. I think if my math is correct, I wasn't good at math. I got a C in math, so check it if you want. But um, I'd been doing worship for up to about four years at that point, and I felt like something was missing, like I I wasn't getting what I wanted to out of worship necessarily. And because I felt like I wasn't getting anything out of worship, I felt like some Sundays I was coming and just going through the motions, that worship was just part of the Sunday routine before we got into the Word to kind of ease everybody in, to, to, you know, like, uh, what is it, break the ice, that's what I'm trying to look for. That was kind of my thought whenever I got into this season of where I didn't feel like I was getting anything out of worship. And that's not to say that I didn't enjoy worship anymore because I did. I really enjoyed worship, and I enjoyed getting to have those intimate moments, even though that they were uh, not happening every Sunday. And I was in the middle of the season whenever I moved to Texas, and whenever I moved to Texas, I found out that I was missing something in worship, and it wasn't that something was missing, I was missing it. And What I was missing was my approach to worship. My approach to worship wasn't what it should be. I had my concept all wrong. So, my concept of worship was this when I enter into worship, it's a time for me to get into the place to receive from God. And my whole goal in worship was to get some sort of revelation, to see people worship, To somehow receive something from God to let me know, hey, I'm doing the right thing. Like, you're playing your guitar so good today. Like, you're really leading people into worship. You're really nailing those lead lines. That's really helping people worship, you know? That's what I was wanting to get out of worship. Something that made it feel like it was worth my time to be there almost. I know that I'm kind of tattling on myself just a little bit, and that's totally okay. I'm, t- I'm totally meaning to do this. Don't worry. <laughs> All part of the plan. <laughs> uh, but some Sundays that would happen. I would be excited whenever I'd feel God move, and I nailed my lead lines. I was practicing. I did awesome that day. I know, wrong attitude, right? I was like, I saw people worshiping, they're raising their hands, they're being receptive in the way that I saw fit. Well, I feel like that's sometimes we can get lost in that as a church body, that we come into church, we get our coffee, we sit in our chair, we wait for the opener, and whenever the opener comes up, they give a great word, starts to break the ice a little bit, right? Right? And then we stand up and we get into worship. And worship is great. I mean, God shows up, he moves, and he does all these amazing things. We get to see miracles. We see people laid out, splatted on the floor, sucking rug, doing whatever. And we're happy. Worship ends. We sit in our seat and we listen to the message. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's beat the Methodists to the buffet. Right? Well... What happens whenever we don't experience God that way in worship? What happens whenever we expect God to show up in a certain way and he doesn't show up in the way that we want him to? We enter into this place where we're disappointed or we feel like our worship has gone stale or we don't understand why God isn't showing up because we're doing everything. We played the same songs as that one weekend whenever God did show up. Why isn't he here? Maybe we miss him. That's exactly where I was at. And I, I would leave disappointed, to be 100% honest. I was disappointed that I didn't feel God the way that I wanted to feel him. And I would, I would be kind of upset because I was like, I show up early, I learn my parts, I do everything that's considered right, but it feels like God didn't even show up. Well... In Matthew eighteen twenty, it says that God is in our midst all the time. Where two or more are gathered, He is in our midst. Right, so He's here always. We don't have to invite Him in; He's already here. Correct. Well, the reason that I was feeling that way is because I was feeling that I was worshiping for my sake, not for <laughs> God's sake. I was worshiping because I wanted something or I wanted to get God to move in a certain way. I was worshiping to give to get something from God, not to give something to God. So that's what I'm preaching on today, is our posture and our approach to worship. I was listening to... Uh, My music on the way to church this morning. I was a mess all morning. I was crying in my truck. I'm crying during worship this morning. But I was listening to Brandon Lake's song, Gratitude. And that song is the epitome of worship to me. It's saying... I could sing these songs, I could, I could do all of this, I can go through the motions, but how do I truly express all my gratitude? And he says, I, I have no choice, I just lift up my hands and praise you again and again. That's what worship is. Reality is, is that worship is not for us. Worship can be edifying, and worship can help fill us up in times of need, but the actual point of worship is to glorify God and to magnify him. If you would, turn to Psalms 95. And Psalms 95, David is accredited with writing Psalms 95. Uh, David wrote about 75 psalms in in the book of Psalms. I'm saying psalms a lot, psalms, psalms, psalms. David is accredited with writing 75 books of the psalms. And this is one that he's accredited with writing to. And in the Passion Translation, this psalm is titled, It's Time to Sing. And this is what it says in verse 1. It says, come on, everyone. Let's sing for joy to the Lord. Let's shout our loudest praises to our God who saved us. Everyone, come meet his face with a thankful heart. Don't hold back your praises. Make him great by your shouts of joy. For the Lord is the greatest of all, King God over all other gods. In one hand, he holds the mysteries of earth, and in the other, he holds the highest mountain peaks. He's the owner of every ocean, the engineer and sculptor of earth itself. Come and kneel before the Creator God. Come and bow before the mighty God, our majestic Maker. Let's pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for everyone getting here safely. God, we thank you for the word that's about to come forth. Lord, I pray that you will just flow in this place. God, we pray that you will uh, let every word that's supposed to be heard Uh, be heard, Father God, in every word that's not supposed to be heard, that I'm not supposed to say in this moment. God, I pray that you will let it fall on deaf ears. God, we thank you for your goodness and your mercies that follow us every day. In Jesus' name, amen. So whenever I read this psalm, Psalm 95, I noticed that it's pointing to the amazingness of God, and it's showing how powerful he is. And how wonderful and awe-striking God is. And bottom line, all in all, it's saying that God is good. Another thing that I kind of gathered from this was that it's not saying sing to God because he'll make you feel better. It's not saying sing to God because he just might give you the thing that you've been wanting for all this time in worship. Give thanks to God because your elbow's hurting. hurting and you want your boo-boo to be healed that's not what it's saying it's saying give praise to god because he is good the sole purpose of our worship is to bring adoration to father god and to praise him because of his goodness and because we are in his presence if you would go to first chronicles and we'll be looking in chapter 16 this verse is precursed by David bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. And the symbolism of the Ark of the Covenant was that it was a place where God's presence would be dwelling amongst his people. He told Moses to build the Ark whenever the children of Israel were uh, being not cool and wandering in the wilderness and not minding what God said, God uh, God instructed Moses to build the Ark of the Covenant, and the whole purpose of it being built was for God's presence to be amongst his people. Well, over time, the Ark of the Covenant left the hands of the Israelites, and it was uh, with the Philistines, and King David brought the Ark back to Jerusalem. And whenever the Ark came back to Jerusalem, David stripped down in his tidy whities his the Bible says his priestly garments that's just fancy underwear um, The Bible says that he stripped down to his priestly garments. I'm going to start calling him that, "Hey, babe, did you wash my priestly garments today?" <laughs> I'm just joking, hun. <laughs> I do my own laundry. <laughs> uh, but it says that he stripped down to his priestly garments, and he danced and he sang and he worshipped as the ark was coming in to Jerusalem. Well, once the ark found its resting place, David went and he wrote a song. And that's where we pick up in 1 Chronicles 16, 29. Verse 29 says, Give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring your offering and come into his presence. Worship the Lord in all his holy splendor. The part that I mainly want to focus on is... The first, the first little sentence of that verse where it says, give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Mm. <laughs> so I guess that must mean that God is already deserving of our worship. God doesn't have to earn what we should already be giving him. We have to realize that God has already poured out his goodness and his mercies on us. And for that reason alone, he's worthy of our worship. We have to be okay with entering into worship for the sole purpose of doing nothing else but worshiping God. What do I mean by that? I mean that we have to be okay with entering into worship and not getting anything back in return. Now, that's not to say that we don't get to experience the goodness of God in worship, because we do. That's the cool part. God is a good God, and he wants to pour out on us. He wants to show us how good he is. The way that I like to think about it is that even though the sole purpose of worship is to glorify and magnify God, there are byproducts of our worship that we get to experience. The way that I think about it is I think about a champagne tower. Have you all seen a champagne tower? I've never seen one in real life. I really want to, to see how they build it and how like it actually works because I'm like, that's not, that's not real. Hollywood made that up. They make up too many things for that to not be like somewhat fake, right? (laughs) So I've only seen them in movies, but the way that it works, if you've never seen a champagne tower is they take champagne glasses and then build them into a pyramid And what they do is they take a bottle of champagne or sparkling cider, if you want to think about it that way, and they pour it into the top glass of the champagne tower or cider tower. And as that top glass begins to fill and overflows, it flows down to the other glasses. That's exactly how I imagine our worship, is that we're pouring into God, we're pouring everything out that we are to God, and because we're pouring everything out, He's filling us back up and overflowing into us. So what are some of these byproducts? I've noticed, and I think of three right off the bat that I can, or whenever I was writing this message, I'm not making this up as I go along. (laughs) We'd be in trouble if I was doing that. (laughs) Uh, The three things that I could think of whenever I was writing this message is that worship is an encouragement to us. We sing praises to God of how good he is, and it encourages us to know that he is a good God. Think about some of the songs that we sing and worship every week. All your promises are yes and amen. Your love never fails, it never gives up. You're a man of your word. You give life, you are hope, you bring light to the darkness, you inhabit the praises of your people. You are my champion. Giants fall when you stand. All of these statements are you are statements. They're saying, God, you are this, you are that, you are good. I know you're never going to let me down. I know that I serve a good God. And because we are seeing all these things and we're pouring out praise and worship to God saying that he's all of these things, it in turn encourages us to know, hey, I am serving a good God. I'm serving someone who's going to walk beside me no matter what, whether the crap is really thick or whether it's real thin. Whether doo-doo is hitting the fan or whether life is great. He's walking with me and he's never going to let me fail. He's going to walk with me. He's going to keep edifying me and he's going to help me through this life. That encourages us. Seeing those things and worshiping God in that way, whenever we do that, it internalizes those things. And it lets us know, I am okay. God's got me. But at the same time, we're pouring out worship to Him. And we're telling Him how good He is. Another byproduct that I notice, worship does make us feel good. Honestly, it does. The thing about worship is that we're pouring ourselves out to God. We're pouring our praise and our worship out to Him. But what's cool is that in the midst of our pouring out, God is at the same time filling us up. Just like those champagne glasses. He's constantly filling us up so that we can continue to pour out into him and into other people. Another really cool thing, and this is my personal favorite, just going to be honest, is that God's presence and his goodness flows in worship. Miracles take place in worship. Addictions are broken. Freedom happens during worship. One song that I think of that really kind of hammers this point home for me is Brandon Lake's song, Too Good to Not Believe. In the bridge of that song, he says, I've seen cancer disappear. I've seen mental health restored. I've seen blind eyes see. I've seen deaf ears open. I've seen families restored. All of those things take place in worship services that he holds. What's really cool is that uh, we actually know somebody that has had that happen to them. We, uh, she's been here to preach several times. And this particular lady was at a conference. And in the worship service of this conference, somebody came forward and said, I have a word. And the word was that God wants to dissolve the metal in people's bodies. Well, this particular lady had surgery where she broke her arm or her leg, I think. I can't remember. It was one of the extremities um, she broke something and had a metal plate put in there because it would help make it stronger and he- make the healing process a little bit quicker. So she goes to the front and she receives prayer, doesn't feel too much different, goes back to her seat, and then she comes. it comes time to leave, and her and her husband are uh, going through the airport, and they come to TSA. Real quick, what is, what's wrong with TSA agents? Why are they so mad all the time? <laughs> Me and Lacey went to Houston last weekend. Fly. I'm not just swinging at things. <laughs> Me and Lacey went to Houston last weekend, and on our way home, there was a TSA agent that was getting lipped off to by somebody. He goes, I am not the one. You, if you want to mouth off to somebody, go find someone else, because I am not the one. <laughs> I was like, ooh. someone's about to get uh, taken away in an airport security car oh no (laughs) but she gets to TSA back to the story back to actually what I'm talking about (laughs) Uh, uh, she gets to TSA and the TSA agent asks her do you have any metal in your body she says well I don't know (laughs) ma'am how do you not know I don't know how do you not know if you have metal in your body or not? She says, I don't know. And he says, you know what, whatever. Go ahead and go through, the, go through the metal detector. She goes through the metal detector and there's no metal in her body. That reaction was what I was expecting from everybody. Hold on one second. She goes through the metal detector and there's no metal in her body. God is good. <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> but that's what we get to experience in worship. We get to experience all three of those things from encouragement to feeling good, and then we get to see God's miracles and his goodness flow in worship. All of these things can happen. But first we have to worship God and we have to magnify Him. Before I can be edified. God must first be glorified. I came up with that on my own. (laughs) I I wrote that down myself. I don't know, somebody probably could have said it, but I'm going to claim it because I thought of it. I didn't think, hey, this person said it. No, I thought of it. (laughs) Before I can be edified, God must first be glorified. Now, what changed my perspective on worship was this. I was in Texas and I was sitting at Jack's computer. I was editing a sermon and I was dozing off, not dozing off. What is it? Uh, Yeah, zoning out. Thank you. (laughs) I was zoning out and I looked down at the bottom left-hand corner of of his computer and he had a sticky note there. And I read the sticky note, because I'm nosy. <laughs> and the sticky note said, Be careful not to adore the expression of worship more than who you are worshiping. Amen. Ow. <laughs> wow. That's, that's profound, Jack Lawson. If you're watching this, or if you ever come across this, profound. <laughs> Honestly. So, I took a picture of that sticky note. I sat on it for a few days, thought, thought on it, you know. Wondered what that meant. You'd think that I'd know what it meant, but I didn't. <laughs> so I asked him. I came back one of those days, and I said, Hey, what's that sticky note mean on your computer? And he proceeded to tell me this. He said that whenever he leads worship, that his sole purpose... His only purpose is to be there to glorify God and to worship him. It doesn't matter what's going on in his life. It doesn't matter what his circumstances are, how he feels. It doesn't matter how receptive people are in the audience in the audience. It doesn't matter if people are raising their hands on their face, jumping up and down, singing, yelling, doing whatever. That doesn't matter. His only purpose and his only want in worship should be to worship God, to glorify him, to magnify him. That's what changed my perspective on worship. I had to learn for myself that I'm not here for me. I have to work through this every weekend. I'm just going to be honest. I still work through it because I come to worship and I'm like, okay, I want God to show up and do miracles. I want him to, uh, you know, heal people. I want him to splat people out on the floor. You know, I want him to do all these amazing things. But that's not my job to tell God how to show up and do his job. My job is to come here and humble myself and to get before God and say, God, you are good. You are so good. You are worthy of everything that I'm pouring out right now. And you are so worthy of everything that I am. I'm going to pour out myself on you and I'm going to worship you no matter what my circumstances are. If you would turn to Colossians 3. So just so that y'all know, this is not supposed to be a condemning message. I want y'all to know that because it could come across that way, but I want you to know that I'm working through the same exact stuff too at the same time that I'm ministering this. And I've said it a lot of times is that God seems to have me minister on things that I'm currently working through. So I want you to know that I'm not ministering this to be like, you gotta worship better that's not my heart at all because i need to worship better i need to prepare myself better and i what i want to do is i want to help us to walk walk in in our relationship with god better you know what i mean and i want us to be moving forward as a church as a church body and as a collective so just know that i'm not preaching at you i'm learning with you that's what i want to be taken away from today, is that this is something to help better all of us. So, give me a thumbs up if we all got it. Sweet! Nice. Alright, so are we in Colossians 3? Awesome. We're going to start in verse 16. In verse 16, it says, Let the word of Christ live in you richly, flooding you with all wisdom. Apply the scriptures as you teach and instruct one another with the Psalms. And with festive praises, and with prophetic songs given to you spontaneously by the Spirit, so sing to God with all your hearts. Continue in 17. Let every activity of your lives and every word that comes from your lips be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One, and bring your constant praise to God the Father because of what Christ has done for you. Real quick, I want you to think about something. Colossians 3.17 makes John 3.16 real. What do you mean, Rhett? Let me answer. Look at John 3.16 and uh, Colossians 3.17 back to back. I'm not trying to edit scripture. I'm not trying to rewrite stuff, you know, because I don't want God to strike me with a lightning bolt whenever I walk outside. (laughs) But if you look at those two together... For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Now look at 17. Let every activity of your lives and every word that comes from your lips be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, and bring your constant praise to God the Father because of what Christ has done for you. That understanding right there, reading those together, is reason alone to worship God. God is worthy of our worship and our praise no matter what. Even if God never did a single thing again in this universe, he's already worthy of our worship. God's given everything for you. For me, for us. He's given us his son. He's healed us. He's performed miracles that we probably don't even know about. I mean, how many times have we gone to a doctor waiting for a diagnosis and the doctor says, it's nothing. Who knows what that could have been beforehand? How many times have we been driving down the road and some ding-dong cuts in front of you? Who knows, God could have prevented that. I'd like to think that he does, that he keeps us safe and he works for our good all the time. Because of that, he's worthy of our worship and our praise. So I want to pose a question. What is the motive of our worship? Do I worship to receive something? Or do I worship simply because he is God? And even if God never did another thing for me, would I still worship? Hmm. That was an owie for me. I'm not going to lie. So, I have three points that I want you all to take away from this message. The first point is that worship is a sacrifice. And I've noticed two aspects of sacrifice and worship. Do you want me to enlighten you? All right, cool. (laughs) We have to be willing to worship no matter what. We can't worship based on how we feel. And we can't let our internal feelings, our external circumstances determine when or how we worship. The second aspect is that we have to be willing to, receive, to not receive anything in return. It's a, sac- it's a sacrifice to worship because we have to be comfortable with that. We have to be comfortable with entering into worship for the only reason to be to worship God, that we don't get anything in return, but we're there to worship God. Now, like I said, God's a good God and he's going to pour out on us no matter what, right? My dad said something as we were going through my message and he said, uh, you have to give up to go up. Man, that's profound, dad. My daddy's so smart. (laughs) First point, worship is sacrifice. Second point, worship is vulnerability. When you sacrifice the way that you feel to go into worship, that leaves you completely wide open for God. And it's a vulnerable place. Whenever you open yourself up it makes you vulnerable to receive God but it also makes you vulnerable to cry like I do <laughs> point 2 or let me let me add this whenever David danced in front of the ark he didn't go and put on all of his armor to dance in front of the ark he made himself vulnerable to worship God he took everything off stripped to his priestly garments and worshiped in front of God, poured out everything that he is to the point where his safety didn't matter to him or how he felt didn't matter to him, how he looked didn't matter to him. Worship is vulnerable. Number three, my third point, worship is primarily to bring glory and honor to God. If we come with our own agenda during worship and our own expectations of how God is supposed to show up, our own, our own movie that's playing in our head of like, this is what I want God to do. We've already missed the point of worship. We can't come to worship with our focus being on what we expect, but it should be on who we're expecting. I came up with that right here on the spot. <laughs> God has to be our focus during worship I'm going to read my three points one more time worship is a sacrifice worship is vulnerability and worship is all about God all about glorifying God all about worshiping him I think Abraham is an excellent example of all three of these points. If you would, go to Genesis 22. And if you don't know the story of Abraham, it's a really cool story. I'm going to pick up a little bit later in his story. But Abraham was promised a son. And he he was promised a son with his wife, Sarah. He had another son with a servant, but... Another story. Um, He was promised a son with his wife, Sarah. And they were able to have this child, even though that they were 99 and 109. Is that right? I think. Something like that. They were old. Um, They were able to have this son, and it was a son that God... (laughs) Why'd you pat James? (laughs) Oh, anyways... (laughs) They had their son, and it was the son that God had promised Abraham that would father many generations. Abraham would father many generations, and they would come from Isaac. So, in verse or in chapter twenty-two, it starts off, and God comes to Abraham, and He says, "Abraham, here's the deal, homie. You gotta sacrifice your son." What? <laughs> Guess what Abraham said? He said okay. All right. So they go. They get wood ready. They start on their journey, and we pick up in Genesis twenty-two five. And in verse five it says, "Stay here with the donkey." Abraham told the servants, "The boy and I will travel a little farther." We will worship there, and then we will come right back. Abraham was willing to sacrifice the most important thing to him in order to bring glory and honor to God. That's that first point. He was willing to sacrifice whatever feelings that he had in that moment. And he said, God, whatever brings you glory, I'll do it. Abraham made himself vulnerable whenever he entered into covenant with God. And whenever he made himself vulnerable, God asked him to do something that he thought God would never ask him to do. But still, Abraham said yes. Okay, God, I trust you. Lastly, Abraham was willing to bring glory and honor to God no matter what even if it meant the most important thing to him, God's promise to him, he was still willing to bring glory and honor to God no matter what. Abraham had nothing to gain in this situation. In fact, he was losing a whole lot, but he still said yes, and he said, whatever brings you glory, God. Okay. You got it. If you don't know the rest of the story, I encourage you to go read it. But at the end of the story, Abraham goes up to the mountain. He lays Isaac down on the altar, ties him up, and Isaac understands what he has to do. And he gets ready to kill Isaac. And then God says, wait, 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 Abraham. I see your faith. I put a ram in that thicket over there for you. Pastor Darren did an awesome message about the ram, the, the ram's purpose, that that ram had been there since the beginning of time, and that the whole purpose of that ram was to save Isaac. It's a really cool message. If you get a chance, I don't remember when it was, it was a while ago, but if you get a chance, it was a really great message. But that's the, that's the end of that story, is that Abraham was willing to sacrifice no matter what. He was willing to bring glory and honor to God, even if it meant setting aside everything that he didn't want to do in putting all of himself, all of his worship into God. He was willing to do that. So, what should be our posture and our approach to worship? I read a quote from John Piper while reading this or researching this message, and it says true worship is based on a right understanding of God's nature and it is right valuing of God's worth. Our worship is bringing value to God, it's bringing all of this glory all of this honor, all of this worship to God's name. And we're saying, because you have been good, I will worship you. Not because you're going to do something for me, not because I want to receive in a certain way, but because you have been good. You've showed me your goodness in the past. Even if I wasn't directly receiving your goodness, I know that you are good and I'm going to worship you. Kirstie, if you would come up. If you would, look at John 4. And in John 4, Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. And the woman at the well uh, is kind of asking Jesus all these questions. She's kind of being a little bit snarky to him. Uh, But Jesus is answering all these questions, and she brings up worship to him. She asks where we should worship. And... Jesus answers her with this in verse 23. We're reading 23 and 24. He says, From now on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with a right heart. For God is a spirit, and he longs to have sincere worshipers who adore him in the realm of spirit and in truth. Sincere worship is realizing that God is worth of value to us no matter what. Sincere worship is entering into God's throne room and pouring everything that we are out on God's feet. It's making ourselves vulnerable. It's sacrificing how we feel. And it's going into God's presence. And we're saying, you are so good. I just want to worship you. Whether I get something in return or not, I am going to worship you and I'm going to do it passionately. I don't care if I look like an idiot to any other people. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to enter into this place of worship and I'm going to pour everything out that I am onto your feet, God. Sincere worship is knowing God's value and his worth, understanding his worth to us. So at this moment, what I want to do is I want to enter into a time of sincere worship. I want to come into a place where we're not thinking about what happened last week, what happened on our drive here, whether people were being ding-dongs on the road or not, whether they were following the traffic lights or the, the speed limit, they should follow the traffic lights, uh, the speed limit, whatever may be on your mind I want you to put it aside, whether that's coming up next week, what's coming up next week, whether it's stuff that was last week, put it out of your minds. Clear everything that you're thinking about and I want us to enter into a place where our focus is on God and we're thinking about how good He is, how worthy He is of our worship. Because we need to realize how good He is to enter into that place of sincere worship. I don't care if you sit, stand, lay on the floor, sit on the floor, raise your hands, jump up and down. Whatever you want to do, I just want you to enter into this place of worship. And I want you to think about the goodness of God. And I want you to worship Him simply because God is good. I'll come back up in just a minute, so... We'll get started.
1: When the music fades and I'm stripped away, it'll simply come. Just want to bring Something that's worth That'll bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself It's all you have required You're so trusted than all the way things appear You're walking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship It's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm so thankful for the things and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. Yeah. yeah. Can't go back to this life, but no one could express. How much you deserve The I'm follow And all i have a choice And I'll just end loving life i you my soul For song in itself It's a little more be quiet you're such much deeper than the way things appear You're walking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship It is all about you It's all about you, Jesus It's all from the Jesus It's all about You. It's all about You, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about You. It's all about You, Jesus. I'm sorry for the things I've made it. The heart of worship, and it's all about You. It's all about You, Jesus. How so incredible that we are elevated? And it's all about You. It's all about You, Jesus.
0: God, we come before you right now. God, we thank you for your goodness and your mercies that have followed us every single day since the time that we were born, God. God, we thank you for showing us how good you are. Whether it be by direct example or whether it be by experience from another person. God, we thank you for your son Jesus who died on the cross for our sins. If there's anybody in here that hasn't received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, now is the perfect time to do it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. If you are receiving Jesus for the first time, If you would, open your eyes and just look at me, just give me a little wave or something like that. Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you for the sin that you covered in us. We were born into a sinful world and before that we were even born, God, you sent your son to die for us. God, thank you for sending your son. There's anybody that's walked away from the path that God has chosen for them, the the path that God has set them on. If you would, just give me a little, little look up here and give me a little bit of a wave. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. God, thank you so much for your goodness. And thank you for bringing us back to your heart, Father God. God, thank you for giving us your son to die for our sins, to be accepted into your kingdom, God, and to be accepted as part of your family. God, for that reason alone, we choose to worship you. We choose to. We're not obligated to. You don't command us to, but you ask for our worship. And because you ask for our worship, God, we choose to give it to you. God, I pray from this day forward, moving on, that we would be conscious of our worship to you. That it's a gift, that it's a way to give back to you for, the, for everything that you've given to us. God, I pray that we would be conscious of our worship, that we would be conscious of what we're going into worship with, what our heart is in the middle of worship, God. Thank you, Lord. God, thank you for your goodness and your mercies that flow every single day in our lives. God, thank you. That's all that we can say is just thank you. just for maybe two or three minutes, I want to sit in a place where we just thank God out loud. We begin to just worship Him in this moment. Just start thanking Him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you for everything that you are. Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you for your son that died for us. God, we thank you for saving us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being here. Thank you, God. Thank you for showing us who you are. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Just start saying, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you,
1: God.
0: thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for getting us all here safely. And God, I pray that you be with us throughout our week. God, I pray that you travel with us, that you walk with us. And I thank you for always walking with us, God. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank y'all.